from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. There are so many difficult parts, I don't even know where to start. Elizabeth Whelan is Paul Whelan's sister, and she joins Target USA to talk about the hard struggle to get him out of a Russian jail where he's been held for almost 10 months. Being helpless. Uh, you know, I, have, I don't have any power. I don't have... I don't have money, I don't have connections, I do not have any celebrities on my phone that I can dial and ask for them to, uh, to weigh in. I do not have um, uh, any way to contact the White House and just say, hey, you know, do something about my brother. And likewise with Russia, I can't call up anyone in Russia and say, you know, do something over there, help get my brother out. So there's this feeling of helplessness. But a week ago, she was in Washington, lobbying, pleading, imploring Congress to help her. And she got some help. And after that help came, she stopped by to talk to Target USA about it. And we'll have the details coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. If you've listened to this program before, you know we have talked several times about the story of Paul Whelan. He was arrested in Russia in December of last year and has languished in Lefortovo Prison, a KGB-era prison in Moscow. He has been there charged with espionage. No one has presented any significant or actually any evidence that he did it. Many in the United States, certainly including his family and others in Russia, a lot of people in Russia, believe that he's being railroaded by the FSB, which is the successor to the KGB. We've talked with Paul's twin brother, David, on numerous occasions, interviews for this program. In fact, our last episode was a conversation with David Whelan. David has handled the communications side of things for the family in their quest to get Paul released from that prison. On this program, we talk with Elizabeth Whelan, their sister. Her job is to deal with Congress. And dealing with Congress, if you know anything at all about Congress, can be challenging to say the least. In the months, as you will learn listening to this podcast, she's run into virtual brick walls trying to get people to pay attention to Paul's situation and, more importantly, struggling to get them to help. Last week, she and people helping her family on the Hill finally got a congressional resolution going to help Paul Whelan. After a meeting on the Hill announcing that resolution, she came to talk to Target USA. Our first question was, what's the status of Paul's case? He was just indicted. I believe it was August the 30th. They finally uh, said formal charges have been uh, placed against him. And exactly what was he indicted on? On espionage charges, but without any other detail. And has there been any evidence presented? 
Well, we understand from the Russian lawyer that evidence is supposed to go to the Russian lawyer in between now and December the 29th, that there's some very small amount of that will be translated into English for Paul to see. But the lawyer speaks only Russian. The evidence uh, will be in Russian. Um, Paul will not be able to get the best sense of what's going on, even though there will be a translator. There is an English-speaking associate, but still, this is a terrible situation for him to be in. Uh, He's not a spy. Um, He's being charged with espionage. Can you imagine having been in jail for so many months, not being able to read the evidence against you, not being sure that the lawyer who has been uh, placed to defend you uh, is going to be able to communicate to you anything about this evidence. It's a terribly scary situation. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that. I've been talking with your your brother David for months about this, and I can't imagine or get my head around exactly what Paul must be going through in this prison. From you personally, what has your family been going through? Okay, well, our family... uh, I do have, I have two brothers other than Paul, and we have divided up between us um, a little bit of how we're going to go about advocating uh, for Paul. My brother David has been the spokesperson and is the one who's been on television and that sort of thing over the months. Um, and I've, uh, my job has been to come down to Washington and advocate in person uh, in the halls of government uh, for Paul. Our other brother has been handling uh, behind-the-scenes communications with the other embassies that are involved because Paul does have four citizenships and also handling his personal affairs. Um, But I've sort of become, in Washington, the face of Paul Whelan. Uh, This is about my sixth trip down here. Um, And one of the reasons I'm back this particular week is to help introduce a resolution on Paul's behalf that the uh, Michigan delegation has uh, put out there. That's precisely what we want to talk about today, the resolution. Fill us in. Okay, one of the things I discovered early on, well, first I had to learn how to navigate uh, this entire scenario, go to Capitol Hill and start where. And everyone pointed me uh, to Michigan, and that made a lot of sense because from the minute that we discovered that Paul had been arrested, we had great support from the Michigan delegation. Uh, Paul lives in Novi, uh, Michigan, and Representative Haley Stevens uh, is the representative um, there. Now, she had um, not even been sworn in at the time that Paul was arrested. So here she is, a freshman, uh, coming down to um, start her new career on the Hill, and uh, one of her constituents gets arrested in Russia. So uh, she's been very helpful from the start. Uh, Her staff is in constant communication with me. And then Senator Stabenow called uh, about the same time, had a good conversation, helped me understand who I should be talking to in the different offices. Uh, Senator Gary Peters' staff has been extraordinary the whole way. And then uh, we've had so many other people um, helpful as well. Uh, representative uh, Tim Wahlberg, he is the uh, representative from my parents' district, Manchester, Michigan. Um, and he uh, came on board very uh, quickly to start gathering support. And many of the other people, the other representatives within the delegation have been helpful. So what they did was, amongst themselves, put together a letter uh, quite a few months ago to Secretary of State Pompeo saying, you know, we want some attention brought to this matter. Um, as the months have gone on, 
and other uh, developments have happened, such as Paul's medical situation getting worse. Um, my representative, Bill Keating from Massachusetts, uh, he's a, he called me a number of times and said, we have to do something about this. He wrote a letter with some of these other folks uh, to Ambassador Antonov, the Russian ambassador here in D.C., uh, complaining. So all of these things have been going on, and we've had this amazing amount of support. Um, it got to the point, however, where no matter what was going on, the embassy in uh, Moscow was being fantastic, Ambassador Huntsman doing lots of things for Paul, um, people in the State Department behind the scenes, American citizen services. They're the people you go to when you lose your passport, but they also, if you end up in trouble like Paul, are the people who help you out. So all of these people were doing, uh, have been doing many things to help Paul. The state of Michigan said, we need, to, we need to do more. We need to push this further. And that's what this res resolution is about. It calls not only for addressing the many problems that we've had this entire time, such as uh, there hasn't been proper consular access, we can't communicate with him, we haven't been able to talk to him on the phone, uh, his mm -hmm. medical situation we are unsure of, the embassy keeps asking for medical records and we can't get them. And mm -hmm. when I say we, I mean the United States, not just his uh, family. And finally, why on earth have they arrested him? He's not a spy. Show us your evidence or release him, and mostly release him. I think people at this point are saying it's nine months mm -hmm. and Paul needs to come home. He needs to go back to Novi, Michigan. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. What have you heard from the Russians uh, about this, the Russian government? You said your brother had been in contact or tried to be in contact with the Russian embassy here. Uh, what, what have you heard, if anything? Well, from the embassy here, the Russian embassy, of course they've got to, uh, they're in coordination with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs um, over in Russia. So the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is like our State Department. Paul was arrested by the FSB, which is sort of the modern version of the KGB. Right. Um, and then the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the MFA, those are the people that we have to communicate with. So the ambassador here is going to basically say what the MFA has told him to say. Just as our ambassadors are uh, working in conjunction with our Secretary of State and the State Department. So it's a little difficult. We've got one entity who's arrested Paul and is calling him um, a spy. And we have this other entity who we politically deal with, which is the MFA. We can't call up the FSB and say, you know, let him out right. of Lafortevo. So what did, what does the embassy said? They want to stick to their concept of judicial process. Um, and they say, well, we picked up Paul Whelan red-handed uh, and that uh, he was spying and we're going to have a trial. So they're sticking to that story, hmm. even though we can, we are pretty sure um, that Paul was set up by the FSB and that the MFA knows darned well that he is not a spy. Um, our belief is, and I think that really is true for most of the government, that we understand that Paul was taken to be trade fodder of mm -hmm. some sort. We don't know what for. We don't even know the circumstances of the arrest. We've heard different stories, but we can't corroborate any of them. Um, but we're pretty sure that uh, the MFA would like something and that Paul is going to be held until some sort of arrangement is made. We have no idea what that is. So um, the resolution, that's mm -hmm. why you're here. Yep. Um, that happened uh, couple hours ago. Today is September 12th, uh, 2019, and it's just about 4.10 p.m., mm -hmm. and you did the resolution a little earlier today. Mm -hmm. 
How did it go? What did the resolution actually say, and what's the intent? Okay, the intent is really to, to get Paul released. Um, so it, it does list, uh, the, the resolution is a document that states what the circumstances are, that uh, how Paul is in this position. He went to Moscow, et cetera, et cetera, that he, um, that there are no particular, uh, uh, there's no evidence against him, that he's got medical issues that need to be treated, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of a, a listing of, of the problems and what has happened so far. And then at the end, it calls for his release. So my I was I was very pleased at how things went this morning. We did a press conference, and uh, the main players behind the resolution were there, and each said a piece, and definitely Paul's release is what we all want. This is also a bipartisan effort. There is no doubt. And when I go to talk to people in Congress, there's no division, oh, gosh, well, is he a Republican or a Democrat? You know, we're only going to help one way or the other. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. He's an American citizen. He's in a very problematic and very delicate situation. This is a geopolitical problem, and they want to help out. So everybody who was there today who had something to say um, was very unified in this. You know, an American is in trouble. We need the support. We need co-sponsors for this resolution to make it even stronger. And this is a message to the MFA that we would like to have Paul released. You must be frustrated because, as you've said, this has been nine months, uh, and your brother's not doing well physically. Uh, and talking to David, you know, he's Paul has mentioned uh, concerns about at least one of the jailers or the guards looking, itching, spoiling for a fight, uh, suggesting, you know, that there's some concern about his safety. Um, Have you been able to communicate that to the highest levels here, to the White House, State Department? Have you been able to communicate that? Do you feel as though that they are hearing you? Yes, I definitely do. Um, I think that at this point, people are pretty well versed in uh, about what the scenario is with Paul uh, at the at the highest levels. It's sort of interesting. I mean, government is very large. When you talk about government, that covers thousands of people. Um, what is important, and this is what I end up tracking, is, is the information getting to the right places? And so far, I have been assured by, for example, the embassy in Moscow and other people in the State Department that it the information definitely is getting to the right places. So n- not everyone in government knows every detail about Paul's situation. But I do think that they understand that we're in a very, uh, yeah, his, his security, his safety is definitely being threatened. I mean, Paul's a strong guy. He's had military and, and law enforcement experience. He's a global security director. So he actually tells managers how to deal with, you know, how to not be kidnapped and this, that, and the other within his, with his own corporation. Um, he's had some training, and he's a strong and pretty stubborn guy. But anybody in this situation after nine months, and particularly when you have a medical situation, there would have been no big deal back here in you know in Detroit. He would have gotten any medical situation taken care of in January when he came home. Now it's nine months later. He spent all this time in this prison where people are not inclined to look after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not what they do in LaFortevaux. Yeah, so I guess the question I want to really get to here, Elizabeth, is that all of what you've said about the people here in Washington is understood. They know what's going on with Paul and his situation. 
not to be an instigator here, <laughs> but my the thing that I wonder about a lot is if that's the case, then why haven't they moved? Why haven't they done something? I, I'm wondering if you have gotten any understanding uh, from any anybody in, in either at the White House or the State Department as to why they haven't moved. Is it his designation? Um, you know, he's he's not a hostage. He's a you know, he was he's he's been arrested. He's a prisoner. But, you know, the circumstances are, are sketchy at best. So I'm just wondering why haven't they moved? Is there something legally that's pro- pro- prohibiting them from moving? Oh, I don't think so. I think this is a very difficult foreign policy sort of area, a difficult um well, let's start from the beginning. So they can't call him a hostage because mm-hmm. that's going to cause an awful lot of political trouble. Um, supposedly, Russia has uh, a judicial system that we are supposed to be respecting. We're trying to get back to bilateral relations. It would be very nice, I think, if Russia would release Paul. That would be a very good start for some uh, better bilateral relations. Um, I believe that it's very likely talks have been going on in the background in terms of Paul being mentioned, uh, people saying, hey, this isn't really great. We would really like to see something happen. Um, as a family, of course, we're not privy to what those talks are or what is discussed. We do know that Lavrov, who is sort of the equivalent of Secretary of State Pompeo, came out midsummer with quite a laundry list of things that uh, the MFA would like to have, everything from uh, people held Russians held here in the U.S. who have been held for a while, who uh, they would like to have returned for one reason or another, um, sanctions concessions, uh, various different other concepts that, that they would like to have addressed. I mean, it was, a, it was a long list. So to balance that out, you have Paul, who is not a spy, doesn't have an awful lot of value, I think actually has less value than they thought when they grabbed him. I think they saw perhaps his job title of global security director and thought, ooh, you know, we've got somebody here. Um, and I think they were surprised about the four passports. I don't think they expected that four countries would end up being involved uh, in this. But they have Paul. And really, what is the United States to do? Um, Are they to go in with a SWAT team and extract him? It's not as if he's being held in some house somewhere by some armed guards. This is a very different situation. So I believe that the government is finding itself having to balance um, a respect for Russia's judicial process with also the definite feeling that Paul is not a spy and has been wrongfully detained and needs to come back. I I believe there's a I I believe there's some very tricky talks that have to happen in order for Paul to come back to the United States. Have they started the process of those talks? You you were saying a couple moments ago that you think that there says something going on in the background. Um, Well, I guess I would say that I hope because the Whelan family can come down to Washington and can uh, you know, we can advocate, we can talk to as many people, we can info share, we can make sure everybody's up to date on what's going on with Paul and all of those those things. But this is not a two-way street. Um, the government does not have to go, hey, by the way, this is what we're doing and we are having these talks and this, that and the other. But I do know that, and of course it's been in the newspaper, that there have been many opportunities for 
the United States officials to interact with Russian officials. There are many types of talks that go on throughout the year. And I would be extremely surprised to find out that in none of them was Paul Whelan being addressed. Mm -hmm. So this is why I say I am I am imagining that some discussion has taken place, but I can't tell you at all where we might be with any of that. Okay. What is the most difficult part for you as Paul Whelan's sister? Gosh. Um, what is the most difficult part of this entire situation for you? There are so many difficult parts, I don't even know where to start. Um, so name a few. Well, being helpless. Uh, you know, I, have, I don't have any power. I don't have... I don't have money. I don't have connections. I do not have any celebrities on my phone that I can dial and ask for them to uh, to weigh in. I do not have um, uh, any way to contact the White House and just say, hey, you know, do something about my brother. Um, likewise with Russia. I can't call up anyone in Russia and say, you know, do something over there. Help get my brother out. So there's this feeling of helplessness. I have to come and uh, pitch my uh, brother, basically, and his innate goodness, which I believe in, to every individual and then get enough believers to go, okay, yeah, we'll check these facts ourself, uh, ourselves behind the scenes in the ways that we can. And, and that's what's happened. They've come back and said, yeah, you know, we don't think Paul is a spy. We think everything that you have um, been saying is correct. We're happy to stand up for him. We're happy to write this resolution. We're happy to call for co-sponsors. But that takes a long time. So we're nine months into this thing, and I have had some very, very frustrating moments along the way. And there are those people who will try to push you off and not want, they don't want to engage. They, oh, I've got enough things to deal with. Let Michigan take care of it, that sort of thing. And, and it is difficult when you're faced with that. You know, I come down from uh, the little island I live on. Um, it, it's an expense for me to travel down here to, to, go and try to even get these meetings with these people only to have them dismiss me. That is really awful. But then what will happen And that's sometimes, happened to you. It has, but you know what has happened to, to kind of balance that out? Who has is, dared um, to dismiss you, though? Oh, I can't go into that. <laughs> there are some things I'm not going to talk about, and now here's why. Because there was one fellow, for example, who we caught on a very bad day. And, I mean, he was just ready for us to, to leave politician? the office. Politician? Yeah, a politician. And, and yet later I get an email going, hey, by the way, you might want to do this, that, and the other. You might want to contact this person. So evidently later in the day, he had some sort of thoughts about this process. Gives decided, you a sense of what yeah. you're actually up against, not just from um, sort of the helpless nature of, yeah. of, of, of politicians, you know, considering the situation that you've laid out right. about your brother, but also the tempo Right, and the right. climate here in Washington exactly. when it comes to politicians right now, it's not good on any level, really. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously you probably maybe caught that individual on that day, but it's, 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 it's sad that they would, they would dismiss you that way, though. It, it is, and it's, it is frustrating as, a, as a, sm a small person trying to take on, you know. I got to a point earlier in the summer where I felt I was— fighting the U.S. government more than I was fighting the Russian government. Wow. I mean, I was, I was like, okay, something's got to give here. And somehow something did. I'm not quite sure exactly what the turning point was, but there was a turning point. I don't know whether people just, I, perhaps when Paul's medical situation got to the point where we had to all start paying a lot more attention to it, something happened and people 
were they couldn't dismiss it anymore. They had to engage. More things had to happen. It became real to them, probably. Yeah, yeah. And Ambassador Huntsman had a lot to do with that because he's been very involved. He's he's made sure that there have been briefing calls for members of Congress so that people can find out what the latest is. They don't just have to hear it from me. Because to begin with, it was just Elizabeth Whelan going around trying to tell people, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this is what's going on. Somebody had to corroborate all of that information. So I think I think those sorts of things are the frustrations. Um, I have to say, though, that even with the current political climate, when I come out of an office, I rarely can remember, was I talking to a Republican or talking to a Democrat? Well, that's good. Yeah, because they key in on, I mean, once once I saw, once they're listening, <laughs> mm-hmm. they key in on the fact this is an American citizen who is in trouble and needs our help. Mm-hmm. And we need to let uh, any partisan um, concepts go to the wayside. We need to concentrate on the fact that this could happen to any American. Back to the personal side of this, you know, and, I, and as, I, as I've said to your brother David on n- numerous occasions, I'm really sorry that you're in this situation. And as, as I said earlier in this discussion, I can't imagine being in it, but you are in it. And I just wonder, um, where do you think this is actually going to go? You know, I, I have no idea because not only have I never been in this position before, but many of the people who I'm talking to have not been in this position before. Um, there have been other detainees uh, and there are other detainees now in different countries around the world, Americans held for one reason or another. And each one of these situations is very difficult, a, di- a different as well as difficult. So I don't know what is going to happen next. What I want to ha- have happen next is I want someone to call me in five minutes time and say, Paul Whelan's on a plane home and he's going to be in Novi today. I mean, that that is the only thing that I want is to hear that phone call happen. Um, Trying to predict how the MFA and the FSB are going to act or react, I'm not quite sure. Um, Paul's lawyer has a rather long timeline that I don't like whatsoever, which is, uh, he says, evidence is going to be presented over the next months uh, now that Paul has been indicted. Um, That should end by December the 29th, and a trial will take place sometime next year. So Paul could be facing another year of just sitting around for a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, this is crazy. This yeah. is absolutely crazy. At some point, I hope that, uh, just like the resolution is starting to raise voices, I hope a lot more is said to uh, bring home the point that Paul should not be in the Fortevaux right now. Yeah. His health. Um, yeah. It was a few days ago that uh, there was some discussion about him possibly needing surgery right. there because of um, a, a medical condition. What's Has there been a determination on whether that's going to happen or well, not? This, this is actually a very um, good illustration of the problem we have. So we haven't been able to talk to Paul in person at all over all of the months. They won't allow him any phone calls. Uh, consular access has been very restricted. So even when the consular staff goes in to visit him from the different countries every couple of weeks or whenever the MFA allows them a short visit, they're only allowed to talk about certain subjects. So this problem of Paul's, uh, this medical problem has been getting worse and worse over time. Um, The U.S. Embassy in Moscow has been asking, you know, uh, can we get the medical records? You say that Paul has been seen by a physician at the prison. We'd like to know what the results of that were. They have not been able to receive any medical um, reports of any sort. So at the latest hearing at the end of August, Paul was able to say to someone in the court, I need to be seen 
by emergency services, and an ambulance was called. And we understand that the um, people who saw him said that, yes, he needed surgery, but that the judge said, no, you're not leaving to go and get surgery, you know, uh, and dismissed the EMTs. The scenario, therefore, is that we, we see that from the MFA side, they are not inclined to give Paul any particular special treatment towards having his medical problems addressed. At the same time, we're getting a lot of conflicting reports from Russia as to what actually is going on. We hear from one source, oh, he might be going to a hospital for medical evaluation. We hear from another source, oh, he has said this, that, and the other about whether he's going to have surgery or not. But we have not been able to verify any of this information because we can't talk to Paul. Um, We do know that when some of the consular staff went in to see him most recently, they said, hey, we understand, we've been hearing reports that you have agreed to this, that, and the other, and Paul said, I don't know anything about this. I have, I have not heard this information. I have not given this consent. So we are really in the dark as to what is going on with Paul. We're concerned that emergency, an emergency situation is going to happen and that there is not a plan in place within the prison to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when things, that's when a regular, normal surgical process really can, when things can go badly. So, of course, the family is quite worried about that. Yeah. Elizabeth, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you think is important that you want to add today? Well, I suppose that when something like this happens, there's a tendency to want to uh, victim blame to a little bit, uh, a little bit saying, oh, gosh, why did he go to Russia in the first place? Or to feel helpless, um, like I have, not knowing what to do and therefore wanting to turn away. Um, But there are some things that people can do to help Paul. And so I would like to recommend um, that if if you have any empathy to our situation, if you can see yourself one day, perhaps a child of yours or a sibling of yours is suddenly in a terrible situation, so bad that it requires the U.S. government being involved and even they are not finding it easy easy to navigate. One of those things would be to call your representative or senator and say, you know what, I don't know Paul Whelan, but boy, this situation sounds like something that needs to be addressed. Can you please co-sponsor this resolution supporting his release? I think that would be a very important and helpful uh, move. The next thing is we have a GoFundMe uh, account uh, campaign set up for Paul. And what this is for, this is going to sound odd, but they don't, the, the Russian prison doesn't even supply him with toilet paper. We have to provide everything, um, his toiletries, those kinds of necessities. He doesn't even get proper fresh food. The embassy, the American Citizen Services uh, personnel of the embassy have actually been shopping for him and deliver him food every month so that he has fresh food to eat. The, I mean, the prison does provide some food, but not vegetables, fruit, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So we've started this GoFundMe account. Uh, anyone who wants to contribute any small amount um, we send the money over to the embassy every month. They uh, they monitor that. They they make sure Paul gets these items. And lastly, on that same um, GoFundMe site is an address to which you can write to Paul via the embassy uh, in prison. Because even though the prison officials are not giving him all his mail, quite a number of the letters that have gone over have been received, and he has been able to write back to people here in the United States. Now, these letters take a couple of months, 
going one way through the translator and sensors and then back again. But it is something important. It helps his morale to receive mail from random people across America and then also to be able to write back to them. It's something for him to do. He is kept in this uh, prison cell 23 hours a day. he has been restricted from having very many uh, books in English. He doesn't have anyone in Engli- uh, to talk to in English. His lawyer cannot speak English. Uh, it goes on and on. So you can imagine the feeling of isolation, receiving something in the mail from somebody written in English, talking about something going on in America, whatever it is, something random, is, is just a bit of a way for him to escape for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage anyone who would like to write to Paul we would really love that. And the embassy loves going into the prison with a pile of letters. Okay. They think that's really great. So how how do we write these letters and who do we how do we address them? Okay, they send a regular uh, first class stamp to the following address. Um, Paul Whelan, care of American Citizens Services Unit, Consular Section, five four three zero Moscow Place. Department of State, Washington, D.C., and the zip is 20521-5430. So that letter just goes to D.C., and then they get sent over in bundles to the embassy in Moscow, and the embassy will deliver them to the prison to give to Paul. Elizabeth, thank you for coming by, and thank you for sharing your story with us. This is a very serious situation, uh, as you know. Uh, um, and um, we've been hearing about it, but nothing beats hearing from it as as close to firsthand as as you can. And you have painted a, a very clear picture of what's at stake here. So thank you for coming by. Well, thank you very much for having me here today. Uh, it it is awkward for me. I'm not used to talking to people in public the way that I've had to the last nine months. I'm an artist. I like to be behind the easel in the woods on the little island I live on. <laughs> so so coming down here and, and talking about this, all I can say is that we have our brothers back. Our family does, the, our friends, his, the state of Michigan, and we hope that I can say the same thing for the United States as a whole. I really appreciate the chance to talk about Paul um, and hopefully that we'll be able to have him on your show sometime to, yes, uh, to that talk would be himself. wonderful. That would <laughs> that, be wonderful. I look forward to that day and hope it's soon. Yes, yes. Thank you again. Thank you. That's Elizabeth Whelan, the sister of Paul Whelan, in a Russian prison for 10 months now on charges of espionage, something the Russians have not presented any evidence of. We'll be back to that story. But in the meantime, stay tuned for something very special the next few weeks. An explosion of spies. Three or four million. Have that number work for China. Unprecedented Russian activity. To collect information about the United States. More than 100 countries working here. A big, big problem. American agents abroad. I looked up and saw a guy looking at me with binoculars. I'm J.J. Green. Join me on the next four episodes of Target USA for The Fog of Espionage. The Enemies. Defectors, the tactics, U.S. agents, secrets you've never heard. Coming up right here on Target USA. In the meantime, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, 
one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want to know more about national security in the U.S. and international security, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. You can find it at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. If you're looking for something on the cutting edge of audio entertainment, there's a new series called We're Alive, Gold Rush. It's an end-of-the-world comedy adventure to recover a billion dollars in gold in the middle of the apocalypse. Crazy, right? That's just the start. This 10-part epic features familiar voices, such as Christy Carlson Romano from Kim Possible and guest star Danny Trejo from Practically Everything Awesome and our very own Caitlin Bristow and more. This oral spaghetti western takes listeners across the wastelands with high-speed chase scenes, battles against the infected, horrors, heroics, love triangles, and, of course, gold. Listen to the audio drama that started it all and be transported into the theater of the mind with We're Alive, Gold Rush, from Wayland Productions and Podcast One. The first episode available now on Apple Podcast and PodcastOne.com. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.